0: Using profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Hell on Hills Podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. And I fucked up this time. <laughs> it's on Bryce. It's yeah, last episode was all you. Yeah. This yeah. episode was all me. I may or may not have forgotten to
1: hit the record button. And it's not may not.
0: Yeah, um, half- No, that's not true, because I remembered to hit the record button halfway through. Okay, yeah.
1: that is that is very true.
0: I cannot confirm nor deny if this was my <laughs> fault or not. <laughs>
1: uh, well, half of it's your fault.
0: Yes, okay. half of it is this time.
1: <laughs> so we
0: are re-recording Amanda's portion. My portion got recorded just fine. So <laughs> N-
1: nepotism? Is that
0: yes. Okay. Something like that. I don't know if that's right. <laughs> like yeah, I that. don't
1: know. <laughs> um so we're back.
0: <laughs> and I will say I have already blacked out everything you told me the first time. I don't
1: even know what story you're doing anymore. Oh, funny story. Um, It's not. That's not. That's not what I want to say at all. Um, Funny story. You don't remember either. <laughs> yeah, I, I was rereading it, though. I reread it, most of it until it came back to me. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah, this this. There's this a fun piece story. of this, yeah. yeah.
0: And you know what? I'm actually going to put blame on Cody for us having to re-record because had he not interrupted so many times with, um, you know, my mic unmuted, I wouldn't have had to. His voice was just overpowering yours on the
1: combined audio, so it's really Cody's fault. Uh, does is he aware that not everything is about him? Um, we're working on it. Okay, he's okay. not yet accepted I'm- it. That's fine. That's fine. He's still got some of the year. You know what? That can be his 2023 resolution. Will it be? Probably not. Should it be? Definitely. (laughs) Uh, Um, Well, do you want to hear my story? You want me to remind you?
0: Well, do you want to take a second and do our typical things? Like talk about Discord and Patreon and shout out an area.
1: Look, y'all, it's been a hot
0: minute since we recorded. It's been like a week. Actually, I think it's been like two weeks. Oh, Lord. It's been a minute. Well, uh, we do have our Patreon up and going. So anyone that wants early access to episodes or bloopers or whatever other things that we do on Patreon, including um, our game nights that we're starting. We did a really fun one of Phasmophobia. um, And I just found a new game for us to play called uh, Untitled Goose Game. So we're going to try that one day. But if you want to see all of that content, that'll be posted on Patreon. And then for Discord, our Discord is up and going. Uh, So if you want to talk true crime, paranormal, just want to give us a hard time. If you want to be like my dad and have an easy place to call us idiots, that's what you have Discord for. Will we agree with you? No. Will we hear you for half a second? No. But you can call us whatever you want there.
1: Will I
0: possibly change your nickname? Maybe. One Thousand percent, yes, you will change their nickname, but there's all of that. And then I do okay, I don't remember who we shouted out originally in episode 51. I probably could have looked, did I? Absolutely well, not. Was it Iowa?
1: Um, because bread, it was either Spain or Iowa.
0: I think it was Iowa. I think it was so Iowa. It about bread. Yeah,
1: they were like, they made, they invented sliced bread there, which is like pretty cool the coolest thing since cl- sliced bread yeah it's that like <laughs> i don't know what more to the up oh, sliced bread the coolest thing since the hoop and stick so, there you go that one since <laughs> since i don't
0: know i can't think of anything else okay well that's okay um well i think we're now ready also before i forget because i keep forgetting to ask why on tuesday october 18th are we getting in a happy meal <laughs>
1: Oh, I got to stop adding stuff to our shared calendar, huh? I don't care if you do. I just want to be in on the <laughs> reasoning if you're going to do it. I'm torn. um, <laughs> Because I think they, they've already released like the adult Happy Meals. I think that's the last uh-huh. day to get one. And you know how I feel about McDonald's. But it's, it's that nostalgia. It's just like tugging at my heart. Like a Happy Meal, man. They're bringing that... I Ugh. think they have the adult ones now. But the ones specifically for that calendar date, I think are the ones... Remember when we were kids and they used to do like the Happy Halloween pails? Yeah. that's They're bringing those back.
0: Okay. Well, I I get the nostalgia. Actually, I don't because my... My family didn't do a lot of Happy Meals from McDonald's. We did, um, what are they called? We just did the kids meals from like Arctic Circle or Wendy's.
1: I don't know what Arctic Circle is. That seems like a long way to drive though. It's probably the best. So
0: when I'm talking nostalgia for myself, I always want Arctic Circle. Because I remember it like it was burgers. It was fast food. But they are the best. I don't care what anyone says. They've got... Ice cream cones that they dip in chocolate. They've got the burgers and the french fries. And now I want one for dinner. So, damn it. Oh, it's a
1: Dairy Queen.
0: Uh, How dare you compare Dairy Queen to Arctic Circle?
1: Okay. Well, I mean, (laughs) Dairy Queen also dips ice creams in chocolate. Yeah, but Arctic Circle's better.
0: Also, Arctic Circle does the... Like the fruity, twisty type cones where it's like the vanilla with just like the hint of flavor or whatever it is. Uh, Okay. Oh, okay. You don't know what I'm talking about. Absolutely
1: no idea. Okay. Well, that's cool.
0: (laughs) Well, I am ready for a story whenever you are.
1: Okay. So (laughs) I'm going to present to you a retelling Of (laughs) the Axeman of New Uh, Orleans. A (laughs) re-retelling. Yes, a (laughs) re-retelling. So we're going way, way back to May 23rd, 1918. An Italian grocer named Joseph Maggio and his wife, Catherine, were sleeping in their New Orleans home. And that night, a man broke into their home by chiseling out a panel from their back door And once he was inside, he sliced the necks of both Joseph and Catherine with a straight razor. And then he bashed their head in with an axe. Police believed he did this in an attempt to hide the real cause of death. Blood was spattered up to seven feet high on the wall. And Catherine's neck was cut so deep that she was nearly decapitated.
0: Uh, I'm starting to get memories of this and I don't like any of it.
1: Yeah, we, we start off real strong. Um
0: real. Um is there a way that I can just black out everything you say after you say it, like immediately after?
1: Uh I mean if you're me, yes. Because I do that a lot. What do they call it? It's like a psychological term.
0: Selective hearing?
1: Oh. <laughs> no. The thing where you like take yourself out of a situation completely mentally? Like you just check checking.
0: I don't know uh, what that's called.
1: I don't think I explained that rightly. Decomp. departmentalize decompartmentalize help departmentalize
0: decompartmentalize compartmentalize I don't don't know what you're trying to say I mean I do I don't know how to say it properly now because I like (laughs) however you're saying it
1: I don't know you would have to ask James uh because he complains about it sometimes because I'm difficult here we are
0: I'm not going to ask James. I'm going to ask Google.
1: Oh, that's a Be- better um, idea. Google has a are... doctorates, I think.
0: Okay. Com- uh, divide into sections. That's not fucking helpful, Google. Yeah, we
1: want the psychology term, not the literal definition. Thanks for nothing.
0: I guess if I add the word like mental health or psychology, it would probably help. I think compartmentalize is a defense mechanism in which people mentally separate conflicting thoughts, emotions, or experience to avoid the discomfort of something. That
1: sounds correct. Yep, that's me. So there's no D, it's just compartmentalize. (laughs) I don't know what I was, maybe I was adding divide and compartmentalize. I don't know. I'm not a therapist. I just repeat what they tell me. Well, apparently you don't repeat what they (laughs) tell you well. I listen to most of what they say and then I repeat it. Which is... (laughs) You only word vomit about 30% accurately. Probably because I compartmentalize. (laughs) Okay. Okay, I'm going to be compartmentalizing (laughs) as you go through the story. (laughs) Perfect. Okay, let me know if you need any help. I got you. (laughs) Uh, Okay, Uh, Joseph was found alive by his brothers, Jake, Salvador, and Andrew, about two hours after the attack, but he unfortunately died within minutes of them finding him police arrived on scene and they discovered a pile of bloody clothes that the murderer had left so apparently they believed he had changed clothes before he fled the scene they also found the screwdriver that he had used or i guess they had used because spoiler alert we don't know who this person is they found the screwdriver that this person had used to chisel the panel out of the door in the backyard And down the street, they found a message written in chalk that said, Mrs. Maggio is going to sit up tonight just like Mrs. Tony. Um, They have no idea what this meant. And they also have no idea who Mrs. Tony was. They kind of just discovered it and it was thought to be weird because Mrs. Maggio did not sit up that night at all. Robbery was quickly ruled out because money and valuables were just sitting around. A bloody razor was also found on a lawn nearby, and that bloody razor was very similar to one that belonged to none other than Andrew Maggio. Andrew Maggio is the brother that lived with Joseph and Catherine, and he owned a barber shop. And one of the employees there told police that Andrew had taken the knife home to sharpen it two days earlier after they found a nick in the blade. Now, one source did state that this was not the same blade found at the scene, but it was very similar. Uh, police named him a prime suspect, and honestly, he did seem a little sketchy. His whole story was just kind of weird. He originally told police that he had got home really late that night and he was very drunk because he had been out celebrating having enlisted in the navy. He told them that Joseph and Catherine they were awake when he had gone to bed, and he never heard the attack. But he was woken up that night and he heard strange groaning noises through the wall. So he started beating on the wall. And when there was no answer, he ran down to about a block away where his brothers lived. And then they all ran back. And that's when they went in the room and discovered the bodies. They called the police and the ambulance, but Joseph died. Shortly after the ambulance got there, Andrew also told police that night that there was a strange man lurking around before the murder. And police looked into this as best they could, but regardless of their suspicions, they had to let Andrew go when they could not definitively connect him to the crime. June 27, 1918, Louis Bessemer and his mistress, Harriet Lowe, were attacked with a hatchet as they slept in the quarters in the back of the grocery store that Lewis owned. Lewis was struck above his right temple, resulting in a possible skull fracture, and Lowe was hit over her left ear and was found unconscious by police. They were found at about 7 a.m. bleeding from their heads in a pool of blood. John Zanka was the man that found them and he drove a bakery wagon and he was making a routine delivery and I guess he was pretty comfortable with Louis Bessemer he was said to make this delivery I believe it was once a week so when he got there it was really odd that the store wasn't open so he went to the uh, the apartment part of the store and that's when he found them in the bedroom and then he called police. Police found the axe in the bathroom and determined that it was it had belonged to Bessemer. They almost immediately arrested a 41-year-old African American man named Louis Obicon. He had started working for Bessemer about a week before the attack, and they arrested him. They found him suspicious because he gave them conflicting accounts of where because he was. A man. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, you're probably right. He was a man and he was there. Uh, But I I guess they were questioning him, and he couldn't get his story straight. Listen, if you're gonna lie, get your shit together. Yeah, I would, if it were me, I would assume that he panicked, because I do. Like, anytime I see a cop, I'm like, oh God. And I'm not doing anything wrong. So if that's the case... I mean, I'm
0: not sure why, but I mean, maybe that's just because I grew up with, you know, my dad.
1: Oh. Yeah, maybe it's because I grew up with anxiety. Oh, maybe. And my parents very frequently had us, like, look out for cops and let it. It was like a game in our house. Like, hey, let us know if you see a cop. <laughs> I, need, oh. <laughs> I need to stop telling family stories. This is, this is going to get one back of these to my days, dad. <laughs> I was about to say, one of these days, your dad is going to be like, stop saying that type of shit on that podcast. People are going to think we're bad parents. <laughs> Oh, they're just going to think you're, like, you know, 80s, Incentrate. 90s parents. He <laughs> was normal back then, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. See, you're fine, Dad. Everybody, you're fine. It's okay. Go fish. Listen,
0: Dad, everyone's going to just come to your aid and be like, don't you dare talk shit about your dad.
1: Yeah.
0: My. Yeah. I can't talk shit about my dad because he listens. Oh.
1: <laughs> Mine <laughs> does not. So, nobody tell him, Okay. Anyway. Dad, tell him. I was going to say good luck finding (laughs) him, but I'm pretty sure if anybody could, it would be your dad.
0: Yeah. um, Also, I
1: feel like
0: my dad would have that fatherly obligation to be like, your child is talking shit about you. It's like the bro code, but the dad code.
1: The dad code. I love it. (laughs) Knowing my dad, he would probably be like, yeah, but I know she's not going to stop, so... These, they, I mean, they learned very early on to pick their battles. I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay, so back to these, this, this hot mess. Police believed again that the only explanation for the attack had to be robbery. So when they didn't find any incriminating evidence on Louis Obicon, they had to release him. During the investigation, police found letters that Bessemer had written in German, Russian, and Yiddish. And they found these letters and they were like, the only possible explanation is that you're a German spy. The
0: only explanation.
1: Yes, because you can't just be cultured and a learned man, learned, learned, educated individual. (laughs) I'll, I'll get there. Okay i just compartmentalized my vocabulary for a second.
0: Sounds about right.
1: <laughs> so government officials immediately launched an investigation. Harriet Lowe, um, she she kind of sucked, in, in my opinion. Uh, she was originally in the hospital, and she was in and out of consciousness. But throughout the investigation, she found time to tell police a couple different things. First, she said that a mixed-race man had attacked her. Then she told police that she thought Bessemer was a German spy. Oh,
0: just to confirm their suspicions?
1: Pretty much, yeah. Um, Okay. So, he was arrested, and then he was released after two days, and the two lead investigators in that specific case were demoted for poor police work. So, not really sure what happened there. Well
0: has something to do with this uh, German spy thing that they cannot seem to get over.
1: Yeah, I guess she was just... And you know what? Honestly, Harriet, she's, she's a card. And we're not done with her. She gets better. She doesn't. Oh,
0: boy. I'm so excited. Yeah.
1: She was left with partial paralysis in her face after the attack. And August, that same year, so... Two months later, she was in the hospital on her deathbed after a failed surgery to correct the paralysis. And this is when Lowe told police that it was Louis Bessemer that had attacked her with the hatchet that night. He was arrested again, but this time he was charged with murder and he spent nine months in prison. He was eventually acquitted on May 1st, 1919, after a jury deliberated for 10 minutes. Just 10 minutes? Just 10 minutes. They literally went in the room. They were like, okay, roll call. And after they got done, the jury was like, he's innocent as shit.
0: So what happened is they all walked into the room, did roll call. And then as soon as they got settled, they're like, all right, who believes this bullshit? And everyone was silent. And they're like, so innocent. (laughs) And then they spent the rest of the time signing whatever they had to sign, paperwork. Yes. If they had to sign paperwork, I don't know. Yes. I've never b- been on jury duty. I haven't either. <laughs> Maple. Maple's barking it. Oh, um, is it because she would like to be on jury duty, or maybe Maple has been on jury duty?
1: Maple would she's be trying to
0: tell us about it. She would
1: be the absolute worst juror because she would just do this the whole time. The person on the stand would be like, "I'm innocent," and this is why. And Maple would be like, ha ah. Okay, she stopped barking. She'd be like bullshit you're innocent she would be like you're innocent (laughs) and i'm i don't able to have puppies if you're innocent the sky is pink yeah if you're innocent then what are the reflections that i'm chasing around the house all day hmm? are you telling me they're not real (laughs) fat (laughs) chance.
0: you're not telling me that i'm protect i'm not protecting the family because i
1: sure shit know oh wait what if they're not reflections they're orbs of light. August 5th is when Harriet Lowe finally succumbed to her wounds. It was August 5th, 1918, which is the exact same day that Anna Schneider was attacked in her bed while her husband Edward was at work. She was 28 years old and eight months pregnant when she woke up to a dark figure standing over her, hitting her in the face repeatedly. Oh. I'm... That's like my biggest fear now just being hit in the face repeatedly yeah while you are at your absolute most vulnerable most vulnerable yeah in bed asleep in your house in the middle of the night and her husband uh he worked night shift so that's why he wasn't there
0: i'm i just don't Okay, do you want me to add a little terror to that? Just imagine if it was a clown doing that. What the, why? <laughs> why would you go there?
1: I did not buy tickets for like, that circus, ma'am.
0: Because you, uh, it, for some reason, it reminded me of the clown in your bedroom. Oh. Um, yeah. When you were doing the John Wayne Gacy
1: story. Oh my God, wait, that was the second clown in my bedroom, now that I think about it, because there was the one in the mirror on the baby monitor, too. Oh. oh, well, yeah, I'm going to get saved oh. tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go
0: find yourself a priest.
1: Is that? Yeah, I but I don't need a priest. I need the priest. Yes.
0: <laughs> Whichever priest does all the things that will keep all the things yeah, away. I
1: need the priestiest priest possible.
0: If you're not priesty enough, goodbye. Yeah,
1: don't even apply for the job. she was found by her sister who lived next door and her sister was just coming to check on her and unfortunately she found she found anna with her scalp cut open and her face covered in blood she did live and she gave birth to a healthy baby girl two days later but she could not remember anything about her attack
0: blessing it for her like yeah
1: like you don't want her to remember that but also like damn it it doesn't help the police i know like it's kind of like bittersweet because if it could help this not happen to someone else i feel like i would want to remember it but also thank god she did not have to can you imagine her childbirth if she remembered all that
0: oh that'd be awful
1: Mm -hmm. again nothing was taken from the home other than about six or seven dollars which to me is just an insult, and there was no evidence of forced entry. Police believe that the attacker this time beat Anna with a lamp from a nearby table. So this guy is, like, breaking into these houses, strategically breaking into houses, and just attempting to murder people with whatever he can find. Just, like, your
0: nightstand, just hope he doesn't go in, like, into the kitchen and get weird things.
1: I thought you were going to say, just hope he doesn't go into the nightstand. And I was about to be like, oh, oh okay. I thought about <laughs> saying that because I thought you would laugh. But I was like, no, too far, too far. <laughs> nope. It was perfect. Oh, I loved it. Uh, soon after the attack, police arrested James Gleason. Uh, also a German spy. No, he just ran away from police. And they were like, oh, well, that's sketchy. Go get him," And somebody did. Okay. However, once again, he was soon released on lack of evidence. And he told police he had ran because he had been arrested so many times. Again, uh, I can't say that I blame him. Okay, I guess.
0: But also, like, on one hand, if you hadn't have run, you wouldn't have been arrested.
1: Right. But also, like, at what point does it become, uh, what was it, Pavlov's bell? where he would ring the bell and the guy and the dog's mouth would water. So at what point does he see a cop and he's just like, I got to get out of here. I don't know. I, I maintain if you
0: haven't done anything wrong and you see a cop, there's no reason to run. First of
1: all, I bet they don't want to run either. I do agree. Only I say don't run from cops regardless. Whether you have or have not done anything wrong, you maintain your innocence.
0: Until proven guilty. Exactly. Unless you did something really terrible, then fess up to it so you can get the incarceration needs. Yes. Incarcer no.
1: Incarcerate. So you can be
0: incarcer in so you can be incarcerated and out of everyone's life.
1: So you can de-incarcerate. So you can leave the country. Decompartmentalizing <laughs> de-incarceration yes okay (laughs) okay i'm gonna de-escalate this situation (laughs) on august 10th 1918 just five days later pauline and mary bruno woke up to a commotion in their uncle's room and from what i read these two girls they were sisters they lived with their uncle they said that they witnessed a dark-skinned, heavy-set man wearing a dark suit and slouched hat fleeing the scene. Their uncle, Joseph Romano, had suffered a serious blow to the head, resulting in two open cuts, and even though he walked to the ambulance when it got to his house, he died two days later from severe head trauma, which is also just terrible because they... They didn't real the girls, Pauline and Mary, they didn't realize how bad it actually was because he walked to, you know, he, he got up and walked himself to the ambulance only to die two days later in the hospital. I just feel like that's traumatic. That's just, listen, either he's
0: very dramatic. <laughs> well, not dramatic, but what's like the opposite of
1: dramatic? Laissez-faire
0: google what's the opposite of blue no of dramatic Wait, what
1: is the opposite of blue would that be purple
0: it would be on the opposite on the color wheel so red uh,
1: let's not get into
0: so. that no okay we're not dramatic antonyms insignificant that just sounds rude i was gonna say i don't really like that oh
1: undramatic oh f- jesus what are we doing? We're going on with your story. <laughs> uh, the home is ransacked, but nothing was stolen. And police. <clears throat> oh, boy, excuse me. Police found a pain in the back door had been chiseled away and a bloody axe in the backyard. Now, after the, Ram- the Romano murder, New Orleans is freaking out. Police are getting multiple multiple reports of ax men lurking in neighborhoods. And a lot of times these are, th- this is actually going on. People are calling about finding axes in their backyards. Uh, people were also reporting where somebody had tried to get in. One story I read, this man woke up and noticed that his uh, panel had been chiseled out of his back door. but they were not, the person chiseling was not able to get inside his house because this man was a grocer and had a couple of cases of tomatoes in front of the back door. So it prevented the man from getting in. So stuff is still happening. Um The guy just I guess hasn't succeeded to use a horrible word in this situation. Families were reportedly sleeping in shifts. So they would take turns one uh, staying awake and being kind of like a lookout. New Orleans was just losing its mind, understandably. People started suggesting that this was the work of a demon and not a human, but it did eventually. Can they be both? I would, I would think that yes, it could be both. I don't think people that do stuff like this are human, at least on some kind of scale,
0: on some sort of psychological level. They are not.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like they lack. A main part in humanism? Question mark.
0: Human? They're missing some of their humanity. There it is. Yep. Okay.
1: I'm so glad, y'all. I've said it before. Get you a Bryce. Okay. But not her Bryce. Get uh, get the hell away from my Bryce. You get your (laughs) own Bryce. My Bryce is spoken for, and she's married. So just back off on all sides, (laughs) on all accounts. Now, New Orleans did eventually calm down, and people slipped back into their security big mistake never be secure okay just live your life paranoid and nothing bad will happen to you
0: fear your entire life never fucking stop yes
1: don't tell my therapist the ones I was talking about earlier don't tell them I said that Okay? okay thanks March 10th 1919 A 69-year-old man named Lorlando Giordano. Can we stop for just this? I love... Lorlando. I love his name. I love it so much. Lorlando Giordano. Who are your parents, sir? I want to know. I just want to, like, shake Um, their hand.
0: Because we would also like to be a part of whatever is happening there. Yeah.
1: Unfortunately, he's married, and so am I. And also, this was in 1919, so I don't think he's still around I mean, I mean, you never know. Uh, I'm just going to make an educated guess, because um, also, I mean, he was an elderly man. I believe he was 69. Yeah,
0: okay. he could still be here. Right. We don't know.
1: Oh, he was 69. I just said that. I'm dumb. Okay. Okay, <laughs> a 69. Well, I
0: wasn't going to um, burst your bubble. I was going to let you do that on your own.
1: Uh See, the problem was I decompartmentalized that out of my brain already as I spoke it. See, I told you that works that way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm pretty sure decompartmentalized would mean that you're n- not compartmentalizing, which would be the, you know, opposite of compartmentalizing. So you would be bringing it like it wouldn't be in its compartment.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. It's just gone. Like, it's like oh. the Spongebob meme where they're all running around inside the brain and Files are flying everywhere and everything's on fire. Yep, that's my brain. Sounds about right. Nailed it. 69-year-old Lorlando Giordano heard screams coming from the Cordemillia house in a New Orleans suburb called Gretna. He ran to help and he found Charles Cordomilla bleeding profusely. And his wife, Rosie, was standing in the doorway, also bleeding with a serious head wound, holding their deceased two-year-old Mary. Police found a bloody axe on the back porch, as well as a panel that had been chiseled out of the back door. Mary had been struck one time to the back of her neck while she slept in her mother's arms. Rosie and Charles both suffered skull fractures. Charles was released two days later. When Rosie woke up in the hospital, she blamed the attack on Lorlando and his 18-year-old son, Frank. Even though... You off of Lorlando. He did nothing wrong. Help you like he found y'all and alerted authorities i don't understand what what women were doing back in the early 1900s they were just blaming everybody for everything
0: well i mean we we should have adopted that mentality i'm just kidding, no, I'm <laughs> kidding. i mean but also i still blame my husband for everything Uh, I'm pretty sure I did it at the beginning of this episode.
1: No, I don't remember that. That never happened.
0: (laughs) Oh, you're right. You're right. That did not happen.
1: So she blamed the attack on Lomando and Frank. And even though Charles vehemently denied this, he was like 150% against it. Lomando was in too poor of health. Like I said, he was 69 years old. And from what I read, not a good 69, you know. And Frank weighed over 200 pounds and he was over six feet high. So he was way too big to have fit through the panel in the door. Regardless of all of this, Orlando and Frank were arrested and charged with murder. Frank was sentenced to hang for this crime when Orlando was given life in prison. Charles divorced Rosie after their trial. And roughly a year later, Rosie came out to say that she falsely accused them out of jealousy. Why? Why? Jealous of what? Uh, That she did not have her child anymore and Lorlando still had Frank. That's not Lorlando's fault. Right? That is nobody's fault. Except this person. This axe man. Sunday, March 16th, 1919. Okay. We're about to get into something. Buckle up. Are you buckled? No, but I can be. Yes. Because we're about to get into something here. Okay. Buckle. Okay. Good, good, good. Sunday, March 16, 1919, the Times-Picayune ran an article titled, Mysterious Person's Note Dated Hell, Signed Axeman. And this article talks about a letter that the Times-Picayune received that was written in a clear, easy-to-read hand. And they said it matched papers that the police chief had gotten claiming to be from the same person. Now, these letters were never released, but I am about to read you this doozy of a letter. The letter was dated hell, March 13th, 1919. Editor of the Times-Picayune, New Orleans. Esteemed mortal, they have never caught me and they never will. They have never seen me for I am invisible. Even as the ether which surrounds your earth, I am not a human being, but a spirit and a fell demon from the hottest hell. I am what you Orleanians and your foolish police call the ax when I see fit, I shall come again and claim other victims. I alone know whom they shall be. I shall leave no clue except perhaps my bloody acts be smeared with the blood and brains of he whom I have sent below to help me to keep me company. If you wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I am a reasonable spirit. I take no offense at the way in which they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as to amuse not only me, but his satanic majesty, Francis, Joseph, etc. But tell them to beware. Let them not try to discover what I am. For it were better that they never were born for them them to incur the wrath of the ax man. I don't think that there is any need of such a warning, for I feel sure that your police will always dodge me, as they have in the past. They are wise and know how to keep away from all harm. Undoubtedly, your Linians think of me as a most horrible murderer, which I am, but I could be much worse if I wanted to. If I wished to, I could pay a visit to your city every night. At will, I could slay thousands of your best citizens, for I am in close relationship with the angel of death. Now, to be exact, at 1215 o'clock earthly time, On next Tuesday night, yes, not to be confused with, I don't know, Marsley time, not to be confused with Mars time, because that's like a couple years difference, I think. Something like that. On next Tuesday night, I'm going to pass over New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I'm going to make a little proposition to the people. Here it is. I'm very fond of jazz music, and I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared in whose house a jazz band is in full swing at the time I have just mentioned. If everyone has a jazz band going, well, then so much the better for the people. One thing is certain, and that is some of those persons who do not jazz it on Tuesday night, if there be any, will get the axe. Well, as I am cold and crave the warmth of my native Tartarus, and as it is about the time that I have left your homely earth, I will cease my discourse hoping that thou wilt publish this, that it may go well with thee. I have been, I am, <clears throat> and I will be the worst spirit that ever existed, either in fact or the realm of fancy. The Axeman. I heard nothing after esteemed mortals. Is that not the absolute best way to start? To use that for everything. Yeah, it's like literally started on anything. I'm going to put it in my resume esteemed mortal uh, I'm gonna start just all of my um, work emails are gonna start with esteemed <laughs> mortals <laughs> and you have to end it you start it with esteemed mortal and end it with jazz it make jazz it up yes. tonight yes
0: it'll be jazz it Bryce Moffat
1: like there's so many quotable things in this letter I'm sorry I ju- why can't we write like this anymore? I love this flowery language. We can. We choose not to. What is wrong with oh, I'm lazy. Never mind. That's what it is. Yeah, I was gonna say it's um it's us. Wow. Not that. Well, we're still esteemed
0: mortals. However, we wish to yes. speak it. Teach us your ways, oh
1: <laughs> esteemed immortal? Question mark. <laughs> I would yes. I mean they they this person does claim to be a, a demon. Demon from the hottest hell. Demon? A demon? A demon, yes. Okay. Kind of like diamond, but not. But a demon. Yeah. It's
0: like a, um, it's a demon in the
1: rough. A demon in the I, rough. I, I love it. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what this person is. A demon in the rough. <laughs> so the time. No, we figured it out. Oh, for sure. Sh- that's why they couldn't see him. They were looking was for a, a demon. Person. In not a demon. Exactly. Okay, it makes so
0: much sense now. If they would have
1: just mined some ore, they probably would have ran right into him. Probably. Or into Satan. We're not sure which one. Uh, oh, yes. His <laughs> his what is his Satanic <laughs> Majesty? And Francis and Joseph, whoever they are. Or Joseph, I'm not sure. It could be Joseph.
0: Um, I don't know if we want to know.
1: Uh I think I'm perfectly okay living my life without knowing anybody who comes after his satanic majesty in a sentence. I think I'm perfectly okay with that as well. Mm -hmm. Now, after the New Orleans, uh, I'm sorry, after Towns Picayune ran this, New Orleans absolutely jazzed it that night. They freaking raged. Like, this might have made New Orleans what it is. Okay, but why wouldn't they? I mean, if all I have to do is play some loud jazz music and dance and party and not die, I feel like I might take a couple shots of coffee and stay I, up all night. I would probably do that. Yeah. Well, they? Yeah, uh, <clears throat> they did. People through parties, bars, and clubs changed their hours. I actually found another article that ran in the Times Picayune two days later. It was on Tuesday, March eighteenth, nineteen nineteen, and this is the day that the Axeman had said he was going to come that night. This article read, Axeman is invited to small select party. The Axeman is invited to a stag party at 552 Lower Line Street tonight at 1216. He'll be as welcome as the flowers in May, according to an invitation extended him through the Times-Picayune by Oscar William Morton, William Scholes, William, please stop. <laughs> also, Russell Y. Fairbanks and A.M. Lafleur Jr. All of you need to stop. Listen,
0: Jr., <laughs> um, if you're trying to get killed, like, I don't know why, but maybe you should reach out to someone because this is not the way.
1: Well, they did. They reached out to the Axeman. Reach out to someone else. <laughs> they, they, Anyone else. Reach out to his <laughs> satanic
0: holiness. Oh, wait. Unholiness? What was his title again? Um, his
1: satanic majesty. Oh, reach out to his satanic majesty. Yes. They Not only did they invite him, they gave him directions. They promised oh. that not one door would be locked. I mean, maybe they just didn't want him. Maybe they're renting and they didn't want him to put a hole in it.
0: But also, like that's expensive. Don't break my shit if you're not gonna pay to fix it. Right.
1: And especially back in the night, the early 1900s, I imagine those doors were like real doors, like all wood and stuff. Not like this. I don't know what my doors made of. They're not
0: fake doors. They're not fake doors.
1: These aren't real. They're just holographic <laughs> doors in my house. Yes. <laughs> oh hell. <laughs> They, they literally told him, uh, enter by way of the bathroom at the head of the stairs. Uh, it says it will not be necessary to remove any panels for all doors will be open. It, they did the most. The most, apparently. Now, that night, nobody died. So he apparently kept his word.
0: Or he was just messing with people.
1: Or he went to Lafleur's party and was like, hey. This is pretty nice. This is a pretty good rager here. Whatever it was, he he appreciated it, and he took the night off. I guess he went back to Tartarus. His feet were cold. He left his socks, so he went back home.
0: It's much warmer in hell. Don't worry about it. Oh, yeah.
1: On August 10th, however, 1919, Steve Boca, yet another grocer, woke up to a dark figure standing over him as he lay in bed the figure
0: it's he wasn't playing jazz music
1: that's the problem and he was sleeping he wasn't partying (laughs) he wasn't jazzing it
0: you're supposed to jazz it all the time
1: jazz it without fail for the rest of your life
0: that's why new orleans is the city of jazz right
1: i think so i think that was (laughs) this man that was his goal he was like my town is too quiet who wants to sleep at night? These cric- these crickets will not shut up. Where's all the jazz?
0: Let's jazz it up. Jazz it up. You, um, what were they again? You esteemed mortals. Yeah, the
1: esteemed jazzing it mortals of New Orleans. That's how we're going to refer to New Orleans now.
0: Sorry, New Orleans. Yeah. You're kind of, um, you're now our esteemed jazzy mortals.
1: I love it. It just rolls off the tongue. Exactly. The figure attacking Steve Boca um, attacked him with an axe, and after regaining consciousness, Boca ran into the street, and that's where he discovered that his head was split open. So he ran to a neighbor for help, where he blacked out again. Boca also recovered, but he couldn't remember anything about his attack. Once again, nothing was taken, and the back door had a panel chiseled out of it. September 3rd, 1919, neighbors broke into the house of 19-year-old Sarah Lowman when she didn't answer the door. And again, these were just neighbors who knew this young girl lived by herself and they were going to check on her. They found her lying in bed unconscious with a severe head wound and several missing teeth. This time, the attacker entered through an open window and attacked Sarah with a blunt object. Police found a bloody axe on the front lawn, leading them to believe that he actually attacked her with the back, the blunt side of the axe. Sarah would also... It's re- just horrible. Like... he, Because that
0: shows, like, less intent to kill and more intent to, to harm. To
1: name, Exactly. Like, if you're this bad at killing people, you have to just be messing with them, right? Like Get
0: a new career if you're this bad at killing people.
1: How do you attack multiple people with a freaking axe while they sleep and you're this bad at it? He has to be doing this on purpose. Right. Sarah would also go on to recover, but she too couldn't remember any details of her attack. October 27th, 1919... Mike Pepitone was in bed when his wife heard a loud noise and went to check on him. As she approached the room of Ma- what? I'm sorry, a tall man with an axe ran from the room. Mike was bleeding profusely from a large head wound. Mike was covered in his own blood and it was spattered throughout the room. His wife had been asleep in the next room with their six children. And one of the sources I read said that the man, the axe-wielding man, actually ran through a door in the room that she and her six children were sleeping in, and none of them were harmed. Thank God. I'm sorry, Mike Pepitone, but at least he didn't kill, you know, he didn't get any of the kids. Nothing was stolen. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, it could have been worse, Mike. Yeah. Oh, God, it could have been worse. Nothing was stolen, even though there was $100 just sitting around. Ooh. This is the last murder that would ever be linked to the Axeman. He was never seen or heard from again. I guess the one good thing, question mark, that came out of this was that Joseph John Devilla. he was inspired to write the song, The Mysterious Axeman's Jazz, Don't Scare Me, Papa. That none. And that's apparently what they listened to while they were waiting on the Axeman to not kill them.
0: Oh, it's no big deal. We're just going to listen to some jazzy music to make sure that we don't die
1: tonight. I'm just going to jazz it up to this specific song. With my other esteemed mortals. Oh, man. (laughs) That's like the perfect wedding invitation. Jazz it up with your fellow esteemed mortals. <laughs> Missed opportunity for both of us. Oh, God. Hey, wait. I never had a wedding. We might be able to do this. You can do it. Maybe um, Cody and I will
0: renew our vows and we'll do that on our vow renewal. Yes. It'll just be a party. That's all we're here for.
1: That sounds like, good. Don't
0: bring gifts. Bring booze. Yes. And jazz. <laughs> Bring booze and jazz. Yes. That's all we want.
1: And don't touch any freaking panels in my door. If you break it, you buy yes. it. And by buy it, we mean Bryce a better one. Yes. <laughs> that is it for the story of the Axeman of New Orleans. Oh,
0: okay, awesome, awesome. Um, so glad to hear that. I. I guess. I'm not really sure if I'm really that glad to hear it. Mostly Mm -hmm. because this is going to be the second time I had to hear. Actually, the third time. Because I did try to edit the first one with Cody interrupting. So this, I'll have to listen to this a total of four times.
1: Wow.
0: I'm sorry. Karma's just getting me back real hard here. um, Because I gave you the hardest time about the story for episode 50. And you fucking that
1: Yeah. Look, y'all, here at Hell on Hills Podcast, we learn the hard way. That's how we prefer to do things.
0: Yes. There's no easy way out of things here. No.
1: I mean, there is, but we ignore it. And we're like, Yeah. how can I make this Give unnecessarily us... difficult? We would like a challenge. Yes. Yeah. And so the <laughs> only problem is we don't know that we would like the challenge, so we're never prepared for the challenge.
0: <laughs> it's just like a subconscious thing.
1: <laughs> yes. We are platonic soulmates with subconscious <laughs> challenges. That should be our new slogan. Wow. Okay, I'm going to go add that to all of the social media now. Okay, you do Write that. that down. <laughs>
0: and while you do that, we're just going to pretend that we seamlessly didn't F it up and we're seamlessly going into my story now, which, by the way, I don't even remember what it was. I blacked that one out too. But here you guys go. Here's the second part of this episode. Copy paste. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, would you like to hear about a possession? Hell yeah. Okay. Well.
0: Um, sorry, I'm trying to decide if I do both possession stories or just the one. Do we have time for both? Uh.
1: I am an hour and four minutes in, but I'll say 1520 of that was probably pre-recording.
0: All right. Well, how about we start with one and then if we have time, we'll do the second one. Sounds good to me. Okay. Are you ready to hear about the exorcism of Clara germana sally
1: Absolutely.
0: I'm gonna just throw this out. I have no idea if I just said her name, her last name correctly or not. So
1: you did. Sounded good. Okay.
0: All right, cool, 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 cool. So, Clara was not uh, was just an infant when she was orphaned, losing both of her parents. And by the way, this is an older story, so I don't have pictures. She was entrusted to a Catholic school in South, South Africa around the age of four or five. And different sources say she went to different schools or different orphanages. One said she went to the Marion Hill School in Umzinto, South Africa. And another said it, it was the St. Michael's Mission School. So, it, regardless, she goes. she ends up with Catholic nuns. In a Catholic school. When she was just 16 years old. She claimed to have made a pact with the devil. (laughs)
1: Cool. Alright. Typical for a 16 year old. Yeah I I mean. Who wouldn't make a pact with the devil?
0: Um. Jesus. Valid. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Some report that she just verbally confessed. To having Congress with Satan himself. Uh huh. I took that as she just like. Hung out with him with like, like hey Satan, like, like
1: conversations. Just... Yeah, they well, had sleepovers, I...
0: hangouts. Yeah, it was yeah. like the
1: the full nine yards with Satan. Okay, you know they painted each other's toenails. And I fingernails. think he has hooves.
0: Her job was real hard. That was a large hoof to cover Oof. and a tiny brush.
1: They just dunked them in gallons of paint. I think
0: <laughs> she's like, listen, this is too much. Just, yeah. just trust me, Satan.
1: <laughs> they gossiping over the hot guys uh while she dries his hooves with a blow dryer. Yeah, probably. Okay. She sense. can't
0: hear him worth shit, but she's still uh-huh, uh-huh. So Yeah,
1: okay. I've been yes.
0: there. Been there, done that, got it. Yeah. So some say that she just confessed to that. Others say she provided a printed copy of her agreement with quote the Lord of Unholiness.
1: Uh huh. Okay.
0: So Father Euromus Horner, he was troubled by this, but he's like, Clara, you're pretty ordinary. Like, sometimes you're unpredictable, but there's no way you actually made a pact with the devil, right? And the nuns and the priests at the school are just like, okay, whatever, Clara. Tall, tall tale Clara over here. (laughs) And they forget about it for a couple weeks. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. don't feel like that was a good plan, but they do forget about it for a couple weeks. And... On August 20th, 1906, several weeks after her initial confession, Clara's behavior reaches uh, a breaking point. One of the sisters at the school, or multiple of the sisters at the school, watched Clara tear her own clothes off. She was growling like an animal, and they claimed that the growl was not like any animal that they had heard on Earth. And while she was doing this, she was engaged in conversation with something the sisters couldn't see. So, like, she was talking to something.
1: Clara called your damn bluff. (laughs) Clara went,
0: oh, you don't believe me? Let me show you. Uh Uh-huh, okay. uh, The Lord of Unholiness, rather. He was like, oh, you don't believe? She signed a pact with me and let me show you.
1: They were like, we got this damn paper notarized and you still didn't believe it. (laughs) Excuse us, okay? Clara, show them what I taught you. Yeah. Clara, I hope you wore your matching undies today because <laughs> we about to get unholy up in here. <laughs>
0: Please be wearing your unholy panties, okay? <laughs>
1: All
0: right. Satan is awful, obviously. Um, she's reported to have told the sisters again, "Go fetch Father Uranus," and she's like. I've got to confess to him. I've got to confess to him. And this is a quote. This is like a witness is saying that she said this. So Clara is is quoted saying, Sister, please call Father Uramus. I must confess and tell everything. But quick, quick, or Satan will kill me. He has me in his power. Nothing blessed is with me. I have thrown away all the medals you gave me. And then she later stated, You have betrayed me. You have promised me days of glory, but now you treat me cruelly.
1: This is what she's telling the sisters, the nuns. So
0: she's, the first one was stated to the nuns, the sisters. The second mm-hmm. one was stated to uh, his unholy Lord. What was it called? The Lord of Unholiness.
1: The Lord of Unholiness. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So the sisters sounds... will get him.
0: Yeah. She sounds like she's having a ball.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, she sounds lovely. Just absolutely Wonderful. This is a cruise to remember, basically. That's what I'm
0: hearing. She's trying to make a name for herself, right? I think she's doing a pretty good job. She's like, you will remember me at this Catholic school. I will go down in
1: infamy. (laughs) (laughs) She is on her way to Hollywood. Yes, I agree. At this point, they already booked her ticket. They're
0: like, please get out of here. (laughs) <laughs> this is also, I don't know if I mentioned this, but this is in South Africa.
1: So uh, I like, believe you did,
0: yeah. other side of the world, please.
1: And let me guess, America was like, oh, come here. No, <laughs> okay.
0: America was like, hard pass. We've already got enough going on, okay? <laughs> Keep your demon children to yourself. <laughs> well, her outbursts continue after this. She continues to talk to herself as if there's an invisible force. She would randomly speak in foreign languages that she shouldn't know. Like, the nuns haven't taught her. And she's been in orphanages for, you know, years. Ever. Yeah, forever. So there's no way she knows Poland, German, and French and other languages. Those are just three of the languages they could identify that she was speaking fluently.
1: So Polish, German, and? French.
0: There's oh. more than just that, though.
1: Huh. Okay. Yeah. She
0: also became clairvoyant.
1: Easy. All right. She she
0: began knowing and revealing secrets of people she shouldn't know anything about. Like people she didn't even know. She's like, hey, Sister Hathaway, your sister did XYZ. Like just random stuff.
1: Okay. I don't know if I'm for or against that. (laughs) Because, like, it would be kind of funny to just watch her pass a man on the street and just be like, hey, You're having an affair with your neighbor, but also, like, I don't want her to tell my secrets. I'm not having an affair with my neighbor, I promise, but I don't know. I don't want him to tell my recipes or something.
0: She's going to look at you and be like, hey, I know your recipe for gumbo.
1: Oh, God, my grandma's going to kill me. (laughs) I had to literally leave the state to to get her to let me take a picture of it. She was
0: like, you are not... And now you're just going to have this clairvoyant little girl look at you and be like, I know it now. I'm going to go home and go home and tell everyone.
1: Sorry, I lost the jambalaya recipe. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: so she also starts shunning holy objects. She would lash out violently when presented with them. And many of the nuns stated that her skin would burn and blister when sprinkled with holy water.
1: Don't. I don't really have any, anything to say about that. <laughs> I don't know why that would happen. I, I don't know either. She also
0: developed superhuman strength, and she could easily overpower people that attempted to restrain her. She's a 16-year-old girl.
1: Oh, oh this is one of those, like, r- fought-off grown men things.
0: Yeah. Oh. She... She also began regularly levitating up to five feet in the air.
1: What is regularly? Like you just don't uh, walk anymore?
0: Often enough that the the sources all said it was regular, that the nuns would just whip out their holy water and be like, be gone demon, I guess. I don't know if that's exactly what happened, but if enough that it was regular.
1: If somebody is hovering five feet in the air...
0: I'm not,
1: uh, no, I'm, I'm going to be gone. I am be gone <laughs> my ass out of there. I'm not going to throw laceration water on her. I'm not going to piss her off. I'm out y'all. Sorry. This is not the job for me. Listen, first of all, my other thing is like, are they like, oh, look there. Claire goes again, levitating.
0: Whoa, show off. Damn it. Get the spray bottle. Get it. Get the spray bottle. We got spritz her <laughs> with the Holy, get the Holy spray <laughs> bottle. Not the regular, that one's not been blessed yet. <laughs> That's Windex, Carol. (laughs) Okay, then get the holy Windex. I don't care. (laughs) But they did say that they would actually sprinkle her or spray her with holy water and that would snap her out of her possessed state.
1: Maybe she was just sleeping and he woke her up.
0: Well, not when she's levitating five feet in the air.
1: You don't levitate when you sleep?
0: Um, Every other night. But it's only two feet in the air.
1: It stops me from crushing my curls at night.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. all I need is two feet. So we're good.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> um, and the most bizarre thing that was stated by witnesses is that Clara was able to transform into a snake like creature.
1: <laughs> Hold the phone. Hold up. Back up. Huh?
0: She just was able to transform into this snake-like creature. She would slither across the floor like a snake.
1: Okay, you keep saying snake-like. And that's less appealing than a snake to me. What is snake-like, a skink? Or like, what is snake-like but not snake? That's horrible.
0: (laughs) I have no idea. I couldn't get more descriptions on this. And I think there were only one, maybe two sources that stated this.
1: Oh, that's (laughs) disgusting.
0: But they said she would slither across the floor.
1: And she bit. Stop saying slither. (laughs) Wait, I'm sorry for interrupting. Did you say she bit?
0: (laughs) I was trying to say she bit at least one of the nuns on the arm. And left puncture marks
1: like a snake would have. Do nuns get paid? I don't know. I hope so. Not enough to deal (laughs) with this. Snake-like woman slithering across the, and she <laughs> oh, This is horrible. Okay, tell me more. Well, at this point, Clara, she's she consider is
0: considered to meet all the requirements of a demonic possession. Like she, the church thanks. is like, done. <laughs> and Father Horner and Reverend Mansuti were cleared to perform an exorcism on her. On September 11th, 1906, they perform said exorcism. And it started in the early morning hours, went until noon. They took a couple hours on break, picked back up again at 3 p.m. That's one hell of a lunch.
1: Say that one more time.
0: So they started early morning, went Uh until noon, took a a break from noon to 3, and then started again.
1: Oh, my God. That is a hell of a lunch. That's a lunch and a nap.
0: Maybe that's what they needed was a nap. I don't I mean,
1: after, I don't, I can't blame them. After exercising that demon. <laughs> she slithered around the floor. Stop saying that. That is so, I don't know why it makes my skin crawl.
0: Anyways, all I imagine is her like slithering on the floor, like not transformed, just slithering.
1: <laughs> I'm imagining her head on Nothing like on a snake body, and that's I guess why she's snake-like. And her hair is wet for some reason. I don't know. I just gave my daughter a nightmare.
0: Oh, way to go! All right. Well, during the exorcism, it said that Clara knocked a holy Bible from one of the priest's hands. She also tried to strangle this priest using his own stole.
1: Why are you wear the stole? Is the thing that you wear around your the stole is the thing you wear around your neck? Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why are you? Wearing anything around your neck in an exorcism.
0: Uh, I think it's considered like a holy, holy uniform.
1: Ah, because you don't have a choice. Gotcha. My bad. Okay. Continue. <laughs> I'm not a Catholic. Hi. How you doing? Sorry. My grandma is Catholic and she is so upset with me right now. <laughs> your
0: grandma is like, Amanda. I don't know if it's part of the uniform. I'm assuming it is.
1: Well, that that makes sense. When you said that, I was like, oh, it's the white thing in the black mm-hmm. collar. Like the collar. Yeah, I'm done. I do gotcha. cool. stole. Hold on. Just take all of this out. I know you're not going to.
0: I'm not going to. It's not the white thing in the collar. Like, you wear a stole for graduation, too. It's the long pieces that, like, in front of the priest.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. So, regardless, he had to wear it.
0: Yeah, I'm assuming he did. That's my thought process.
1: I feel like they should change that. Um, I don't think they can just change it. God's gotta change it. Well, okay, but you're risking priests' lives here. Well,
0: maybe if this priest were um, were positioned better, so she couldn't grab the stole, it'd be better.
1: Don't victim blame.
0: Maybe what we should start doing for exorcisms <laughs> is put the um,
1: person being
0: exercised uh
1: uh-huh.
0: in a plastic bubble all to themselves. Uh-huh. But okay. everyone else on the outside.
1: I feel like the demon could suffocate them. Like Darth Vader style through the bubble through the bubble.
0: Okay. But maybe like put poke holes in it
1: for uh air. Uh-huh. That way the demon can't suffocate them. What if the demon farts in it and just Dutch Elven to you?
0: them problem at that point. <laughs> you better hope the demons don't think of that.
1: Because my dog's already thought of that today. So All demons just eat baked beans all the time. <laughs> all day all along. Doesn't matter
0: <laughs> any beans. They're just like gobbling it up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, now the the claim of her trying to strangle him with his stole can't be corroborated factually. But it is eyewitnesses state that this happened. So witness reports. The following morning, rights were administered again. So that was on September 11th. So on September 12th, 1906, they administer rites again. And at this point, the demon supposedly leaves her body. And during this time, Clara is levitated into the air and like, you know, doing the thing, levitating. But reportedly, this was in front of 170 people. What? Where is this? What? Yeah, there's just 170 people at this chapel witnessing this exorcism. What, did they bring her to mass? (laughs) I don't know. I have no clue. But that reportedly it was in front of 170 people. So afterwards, the priest, like they do their prayer, whatever. They finish their rites and they state that Clara is cleared of the devil's influence. She's good to go. Clara renounced the Satan, and she was free to move on with her life. Did Clara learn her lesson? God. No, she did not. Clara. Clara! <laughs> In January 1907, Clara again claimed to have made another pact with the devil. Claire, what do you have left? I'm just, I don't know. Well, another exorcism is performed, and this one reportedly lasting two full days. In this instance, uh, witnesses state that when the devil departed, the room filled with this foul odor. But he did. He totally Dutch oven oven dumb. (laughs) And she's once again free. And it doesn't take Clara long
1: to learn her lesson. She doesn't do it a third time. (laughs) I was about to damn Clara. So she did learn
0: her lesson. She doesn't make any more packs with the devil. At least none that are reported. She unfortunately passed away at the age of 22 from heart failure. Probably from her numerous packs with the devil.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, Yeah. She had a rough life. I mean. I don't know if your heart can withstand so much levitation.
0: That's a lot of levitation.
1: It is. Like, I, I mean, look at astronauts they have to train for that
0: they definitely have to train for that Mm -hmm. but i think we have enough time for story number two unless you want me to hold off it's a little bit longer than that one but up to you let's do it let's go okay all right so my story number two it tiptoes a very fine line between true crime and paranormal i'm here for it so Michael Taylor was born on September 21st, 1944. He was born in or around Oset, West Yorkshire. He was living there working as a butcher with his wife, Christine, and their five children. And also with their family poodle. Like, what family doesn't have a dog? Family was considered to be cheerful and pretty happy. Like, nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, Michael, specifically, he was described as generally kind, kind. Generally kind mild-mannered, people saw him as a lovely loving husband and father. He was however prone to minor bouts of depression. This typically stemmed from a back injury that left him in severe pain, and due to this he was unable to find long-term work. And so it really got to him. Now, the family was not particularly religious, but when a close friend Barbara kind of saw Michael going through a hard time, she decides to introduce them to a church group called the Christian Fellowship. And the Taylors are like, fine, we'll go, we'll check it out, see what happens. And they the Taylors were so impressed with this group that they reportedly converted after just one meeting. You could think you can sleep on it. <laughs> they were like, nope, we are convinced this is the, the this is where we belong. So,
1: I mean, I guess when you know, you know. Right. Um, They, um, I hope they're not a cult. I wish the best for you. Is it a cult? You're killing me here.
0: Officially, no, it's not a cult.
1: Officially.
0: Yeah. The leader of this group was 21, 22-year-old Marie. Okay, so I had conflicting accounts on her name. It was either Mary or Marie. But I have Marie in all of my notes. So Marie Robinson. And Michael Taylor sees her, and he just becomes enamored with her. At this time, he's 31 years old, 10 years her senior. And he's just enamored with her. And he begins spending more and more time with her and attending more and more group meetings and gatherings. And he's becoming this devout follower. And also at this time, Taylor's home attitude begins to change. He's um, no longer the most family man... Guy of them all. He is um, very argumentative and sullen with his family. And he starts spending less and less time with his wife and kids. Because he's he's busy with the Lord and Savior.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, that
0: makes sense. Fellowship, yeah. I mean, like, clearly he's got his priorities. Well, reportedly on October 1st, 1974, Taylor and Robinson stayed up all night making the sign of the cross at one another. Huh? Uh, is like that the a sign of the cross? Isn't that what this is?
1: So they just <laughs> like all night was it a race? What is? <laughs> I don't know. I thought That's of like helping. this with your finger.
0: But I, I think what
1: you're doing is right. Like the but do I need uh, to Google the
0: sign of the cross, not the beaver?
1: What the sign of the beaver? <laughs> what? Yeah, Google is a wild place. <laughs> Google is
0: crazy. Okay, wait, we're going to learn how to do the right way to do the sign of the cross. Um, let me find it. Hold on. So join the thumb, index, and middle finger on your right hand. Rest the other two fingers on your right hand against your palm. Take that hand and touch your joined fingertips to your forehead. Then bring your fingertips down to your abdomen. Um, it says some only bring it down as far as their chest while others reach down to their navel. Either is acceptable. So from here to here move your fingertips to touch the front of your right shoulder
1: and then to the left. So it's that So way. you were right. I was yeah. just making a cross with my fingers and that is not correct.
0: <laughs> that is not the correct way.
1: But now for any of you that need to know like they just
0: all night long I guess. I don't I don't know.
1: Okay. I mean, I guess it it worked. Well, um his um, wife Christine is like, "What the hell
0: are you guys doing? You're making the sign of the cross at each other all night long, bullshit." And his wife Christine's like, "This is a very fishy relationship. I don't believe that you guys just sat there and made the sign of the cross. Like what type of kinky bullshit is this?"
1: Okay, accusational. <laughs> First off, a little hostile. Maybe you should work on your communication with your husband, Christine. Christine? Maybe,
0: yeah, maybe he should be home, though, instead of out all night at the church making the sign of the cross with the leader of the church.
1: Fair point. Um, (laughs) But still, I mean, you just, you get more bees with honey.
0: Okay, well, she's grown suspicious, and she's like, Michael and Robinson, there's something going on. And in 1974, Christine, at a group meeting, She would tell the whole fellowship that Taylor's relationship with Robinson was, quote, carnal in nature. Now, um, Taylor is adamant that this. He's like, no, no, no. But there are reports that Taylor was rejected by Robinson. So, so maybe he wants it to be carnal and she's taking it that way. Anyways, Taylor admitted to feeling what he called an evil within him. And he actually goes on to strike Robinson in front of the entire congregation that they've got. And then they get into a verbal altercation. And Taylor is just going nuts. They're both screaming at one another. They're like yelling at each other. People are physically holding back Taylor, Michael Taylor, to restrain him, to prevent him from injuring others. Like they're literally like, this dude's going crazy. Okay. And Robinson would later testify as to what happened, stating, Quote, I suddenly glanced at Mike and his whole features changed. He looked almost bestial. He kept looking at me and there was a really wild look in his eyes. I started screaming at him out of fear. I started speaking in tongues. Mike also screamed at me in tongues. I was on the verge of death and I seemed to come to my senses. I knew that only the name of Jesus would save me. And I started saying over, over and over again, Jesus. When Chris heard me calling on the name of Jesus, she started saying it too. And I believe firmly That it was only by calling on his name that I was not killed.
1: Hello. Okay. Um, This is some Jerry Springer (laughs) stuff. If I have ever heard it. This
0: is like a religious Jerry Springer.
1: Yes. Um,
0: Like if Jerry Springer met the Vatican.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I feel the need to tell people that you can't just do what you want when you get angry and rejected and blame it on the devil.
0: But what if you're actually possessed?
1: I still don't feel like I should condone that.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, (laughs) I'm not condoning it either way. I mean, like, let's just avoid getting possessed in any way we can.
1: Yeah. How do I do that? (laughs) I'm going to need some of that spicy water.
0: I can only provide spicy Skittles. Will that work as a substitute?
1: Absolutely.
0: Done. Later, Michael would state that he had no memory of the incident. He didn't remember attacking her, striking her, arguing with her. And just to answer any questions, I guess this church spoke in tongues to one another. Like, from what I could find is they would speak in tongues. Like, I couldn't tell if it was, like, a made-up language that they just were like, yeah, flark, but fluk, <laughs> I don't know. I uh, just... I've seen siblings. people.
1: Yeah, I've seen people talking, speak in tongues and... I can't understand it.
0: Right. Like, I barely understand English. Let's not put yeah. me in a church where you speak tongues.
1: Well, in the next meeting, which
0: some said it was the very next day, some said it was a couple days later. But in the next meeting, Michael Taylor receives forgiveness and full absolution. Like, even from Robinson, she's like, oh, yeah, I, gave, I forgave him. No biggie. Like, you just hit me. No No big deal. But... I mean, he's... he's like, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to, it was the devil.
1: Oh, okay. How do you argue with that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, after this, uh, his, behavior, his behavior continues to escalate, and he becomes more and more erratic. And local church authorities believe that this behavior was caused by demonic forces or a demonic possession. And the church is either approved or they arrange an exorcism, and they're like, all right, Mike, it's go time. And the vicar actually calls for backup and prep for this upcoming exorcism, which took place. So, first of all, that first incident happened on October 1st. This exorcism took place on October 5th and 6th of 1974, just days later.
1: Oh, dang.
0: Yeah. So, it took place at the St. Thomas Church in Galber. And it was headed by Father Peter Vincent and aided by Reverend Raymond Smith. Now, when they begin the rites, uh, Taylor reportedly went into an uncontrollable convulsions and fits. They
1: said he had bouts of
0: screaming and scratching and spitting and biting. Like, so much so that he had to be restrained and tied to the floor.
1: Dang, he didn't even get a bed.
0: I wonder how they tied him to the floor. Like, do they have hooks in the floor in case of an exorcism gone wrong?
1: I imagine they just bolted him to the to the ground. To the... They were like, this is hardwood. I don't give a heck.
0: (laughs) See, but they would have to have the tools necessary on hand to do that. That's why I'm thinking like it was premeditated. They had the bolts there ready to go.
1: Maybe it was like a dungeon-esque kind of thing. Maybe they have specific rooms for this.
0: You know, you could have at least gotten him a bed, Like a mattress at the least.
1: (laughs) I'm with you. A blanket, a pillow, something.
0: Well. He's already suffering right over the course of this exorcism he's doused with ho- holy water he's forced to confess his sins and oddly enough crucifixes are shoved into his mouth um don't ask me why i i couldn't find anything about that but i had multiple sources say they were forced into his mouth and placed all over his body
1: is that protocol um or did he just <sighs> did somebody just get tired of being spit on i need to know <laughs>
0: probably just got sick of being spit on and was like here take that
1: yeah that's that's what i'm feeling here because mm-hmm. i feel like that's something i would do
0: i don't feel like you would do that
1: i Not mean i wouldn't be in it. the room so you're I right feel like
0: the most that you're gonna see is with annie shoving a binky in her mouth
1: you know what you're right i wouldn't do it because she doesn't take pacifiers exactly. so, so. i know i wouldn't point. do it <laughs> Because I gave up with her. I would give up with him, too.
0: Right? You'd be like, all right, you spit all over yourself. I'm out of here.
1: (laughs) You hold this crucifix wherever you would like to hold it. I'm done. (laughs) I'm done. You you exercise yourself. I I tried. You have a nice life, whether it's on this path or a different one. Bye.
0: (laughs) Well, the entire time throughout this exorcism, he was growling and snapping at anyone that came too close to him the priest in charge claimed that there were at least 40 demons that inhabited Michael's body. Would you like to know what some of these demons represented? Absolutely. Or some of those represented demons. Okay. Incest. Bestiality. Blasphemy. Blasphemy. Lewdness. Heresy. Why can't I think of how that word is said? Masochism.
1: So we're just jumping right on in here. Like, I was expecting something like a <laughs> Like an easy arson or something. No, we just jump right on into all this deep, oh, dark, like... Also carnal knowledge, by the way. Uh, okay. baby. Of course, there is... Um, who did he make angry? Who did you make a deal with, sir? Because Clara got off easy.
0: <laughs> well, um, there's a lot to that one. But by 8 a.m. on October 6th, Priests are exhausted. They're fucking tired.
1: Yeah, they didn't get a three-hour lunch and a nap. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs>
0: um, It was a three-hour lunch with a nap.
1: They need, like, replacements. Like, tag out.
0: Like, um, like wrestling. Like yeah. Where you can just, like, tag mm-hmm. your partner in and go take a nap. Yeah.
1: Tag me yeah. in, homie. I need a ham sandwich. I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, They're exhausted, and they decide they need to complete the rites later. Like, there's nothing else we can do. We're really tired. According to Bill Ellis, who is an expert in, like, spooky things, I guess. I don't know. I didn't do much research into it. But he stated, In an all-night ceremony, invoked and cast out at least 40 demons, including those incest, speciality, blasphemy, blasphemy, and lewdness. At the end, exhausted, they allowed Taylor to go home. Although they felt at least three demons... Were still left in him. Would you like to know what three demons those were? Yes. Insanity. Uh Murder.
1: And violence. Okay. Okay. Do you get to pick. What demons come out. As you're. Exercising. Because I feel like those should be one of. The top priorities. (laughs) Um, What I
0: could see is they were like. These three are just they're hanging in there. We can't get them out like they tried.
1: So you send them home. You can't just. Keep him in the shackles for another night, you just turn him loose on the town.
0: no big deal. it's fine,
1: oh, okay. I mean, it's not, but
0: <laughs> we know that the three probably the three worst ones to be together are probably all together in him,
1: right, Great. I'm right. sure they're just playing Uno <laughs>
0: no big they're like, we'll wait till tomorrow to come out. Don't worry, yeah, well, we need a break too. No big deal.
1: Yeah. Murder, draw four.
0: (laughs) Murder's like, actually, violence, draw eight. (laughs) Well, um, (laughs) one witness to the events, she later says that she has this chilling claim that she believed, like, the voice of God told her that the demon of murder would escape after he left. And she claims that she pled for them to complete the rites. She's like, please don't let him go. We need to complete the rites right now please like something bad's gonna happen and so she claims that she did plead for them to complete complete the rights and the priests were like we're tired like these are the three we can't get out it's no big deal what are they gonna do together like it's just murder violence and insanity no biggie oh boy so instead the tailors were told to go home and rest so that they complete can complete the rights the following day <clears throat> taylor goes home and within hours of getting home he brutally murders his wife, Christine. He attacks her with his bare hands. Oh, God, I'm sorry. He rips out her eyes and tongue.
1: Why do you keep doing what? shit with the eyeballs? Why do you keep doing this? I didn't know until I was already <laughs>
0: halfway through my research on this, okay? Ugh. Reports she... state that he nearly tore her face off. And he, she is f- 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 Asphyxiated? <laughs> yeah, exf- asphyxiated. <laughs> Again, on her own blood. So some reports say that he strangled her first and then mutilated her. Others say that she was alive during this. Uh, to really twist that knife in there for you. um, Oh boy. Remember how I mentioned the family poodle?
1: What did he do?
0: He would strangle the family poodle and rip its limbs from its body.
1: Why? Why? Why did he... The, what think about the kids? Are the kids...
0: The kids are fine. The kids are fine.
1: Oh, my God. I'm assuming God. they're
0: at Grandma's house because Christine was like, pack up, kids. I'm exercising your dad. And um, didn't have time to get them beforehand.
1: The kids oh, are thank fine. thank God. Um,
0: <sighs> He's later found by police, completely naked and just covered in blood. Someone had called him in and were like, hey, there's a naked guy covered in a red paint just running around screaming, it's the blood of Satan, over and over and over again.
1: It's the Axe Man of New Orleans.
0: <clears throat> so he's arrested, and they're like, oh my gosh, this is blood. And they go and they find the gruesome scene. Um, during trial, alert, Taylor claimed to have no memory of the murders. He's like, "I, it wasn't me. I was the devil. Murder, violence, and insanity. Uh,
1: they better he, have gotten these priests to testify.
0: They did. He says that he was under the control of evil forces, and he also makes the claim during trial that his wife was also possessed by demons.
1: Oh, go to hell!
0: What cheated? Yeah, what? I don't know. I don't know. I guess demon battles. I don't. I have no idea. But blame was pointed at the church, which many did describe as being like a fanatical cult. They're like, this was not a church. This was a cult. And they also directly blamed the exorcism, stating that it fed a mentally ill man warped ideals and beliefs. One barrister or jurist stated, quote, I am aware that it is generally regarded as improper for an advocate to express any personal feeling or opinion about the case in which he is engaged. I am afraid that I find it quite impossible to observe such constraints in this case. Let those who truly are responsible for this killing stand up. We submit that Taylor is a mer- uh, is a mere cipher. The real guilt lies elsewhere. Religion is the key. Those who have been referred to in evidence and those clerics in particular should be with him in spirit now in this building and each day he is incarcerated in Broadmoor. And not and not least on the day he must endure the bitter reunion with his five motherless children. Oh so boy. basically, what they're saying on this is he was a mentally ill man. He was spiraling, people didn't recognize it, and they recognize this as a possession, right? They're saying, No, you're possessed. We've got to get these demons out of you. And before they send him home, they tell him, You have three demons left in you. You have murder, violence, and insanity in you. And this mentally ill man hears this and he can no longer connect he, he can't separate reality and th- this possession so in his mind he is spiraling and he's doing these attacks but it's not him it's these demons that these priests told him about
1: it was kind of like the setup for the perfect storm it sounds like
0: right so that's what the the defense is portraying and they're saying he, he was sick he needed help not an exorcism He was acquitted on the grounds of insanity. So he was deemed clinically and legally insane. He was sent to Broadmoor Hospital for two years, and then he spent another two years in a different hospital in a secure ward before he was released. So four years total.
1: Uh, Do we have any repetition here?
0: Well, after his release, he would continue to, to display some odd behaviors. He made a total of four suicide attempts. He makes news again when he's arrested for sexually harassing an underage girl. And on this case, they basically said, we don't think this, we don't see him as being a threat. Like he's, basically they didn't look at his past case to charge him going forward with this new sexual harassment case. Uh Because they felt like they were two distinctly separate and non-related things. Um, he does receive a very light sentence for this one, and it's three years of community service and court order of psychiatric treatment. Now, the Anglican Church that this whole group was part of, this was their last documented exorcism. Okay. Like, they, they were like, no more are we playing with that.
1: Good call.
0: The church authorities are, however, adamant. That this was a genuine case of demonic possession.
1: Then why did you just send him home with his little backpack and his soup thermos?
0: Why couldn't they just be like, "Oh yeah, the demons and you are like, I don't Peppy, know, puppy, puppy, petters, puppy, puppy, that All they care about is dancing. Like, there's
1: yes. a dance demons, like dancing, dancing, dancing. Right? He's a dancing demon. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, like, I feel like they just went about this all wrong. And like I said, I'm not Catholic, so I don't know much about this stuff. But I do know that the people that actually do exorcisms in the Catholic Church are, like, trained to do this. So where did you people get your knowledge of exorcisms from?
0: Wikipedia.
1: (laughs) Ah, okay. Yeah you no, might no, no. want to wikipedia can be a very valuable uh source but you have to check your sources sources right got it
0: well that's what i have for the exorcism of michael taylor
1: uh yeah i don't like that one
0: do you think he was possessed or just ill
1: i think he was mentally disturbed not possessed just a <laughs> horrible human being i think this he- was another crime of opportunity. I think
0: this is a crime where I do think he really mentally broke down. Like he'd struggled with bouts of exorcism, his like his fascination with the leader of this church was shunned and he probably feels like his life is spiraling and it just caused him to mentally snap and I'm not trying to justify his actions. Awful. What he did was terrible, right? Mm -hmm. But I do think he was likely insane at the time that it happened. I don't Obviously, I don't know.
1: He just um, reminds me of Chris Watts. Okay. That's okay. that's what it reminds me of. Uh like man is potentially having an affair. Uh wife finds out and he just loses his mind and kills her. Just he luckily didn't kill his children. Right. But that's well, what that's this kind of reminds me of.
0: That's why I think it's more of a crime of opportunity. Not opportunity, a crime of just like pure mental breakdown. Mm-hmm. He didn't attack his children. Like, I truly think, like, he saw his wife and his just, his breakdown happened.
1: And it's we possible that she may have agitated him in some way. I'm not trying to victim blame, but mm-hmm. kind of based on, first of all, everything that he had already went through. I imagine he's already, like, toeing the line.
0: Right. And it could have been something with, where she's like, after this is done, I want a divorce. And it just, yeah. he snapped, you know. I mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, and no one will know what conversations they had or anything because he claims to not remember. But oh I do God. hope um, his children are not, I, I know his children are traumatized from this, but I hope that they were able to move forward from it.
1: I hope they are. I, I don't I even his know. Children. I hope they're are doing thriving. great. Yes. I was going to try to think of something to say and I don't even know what to say. I hope they're doing wonderful and they want for nothing.
0: Right. So that is your double exorcism story.
1: Do you I have need any... some chocolate.
0: And a crucifix.
1: Yeah. <laughs> in my mouth.
0: Right. <laughs> no, the chocolate goes in your mouth.
1: Oh, oh, okay. I need a Sorry. chocolate crucifix in my mouth.
0: Okay. Is that considered holy to eat? Like, do you become part of a holy object if you eat it? I don't know.
1: I think I would have to swallow it whole. Because otherwise I'm destroying it, right?
0: Unless it's intended to be destroyed or burned or something. So just get little mini crucifixes. Like, tic tac size, and just, you know.
1: Just swallow them whole. I can do that.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, cool. Okay, that's safe. (laughs)
0: All right, well, thank you all for listening to Helen Heels Podcast to see pictures from this episode. You can follow us on Instagram at Hell and Heels podcast, Twitter at Hell and Heels Pod or Facebook by searching Helen Hills Podcast. You can find us on Linktree by typing in Helen Heels Podcast. If you want to support us, please like review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create more content for you, you can donate through Patreon where we're working to release specials. If you have your own true crime or paranormal paranormal stories, suggestions, or words of encouragement, please email us at podcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell or force your friends to listen with you. And this has been Helen Heels Podcast. Bye! Bye!